1: From a basement to your headphones Really even know who we are But
2: changing the unknown In a wild time
3: Thank you for downloading the Podcast Podcastianos Now here are your hosts, Jordan Hall and Eric Wayne
2: Welcome to the podcast And I'm not joined, as always, by Eric Wayne Eric is, and I quote, this is direct from a text, living that no-cal life. Uh, <laughs> instead, I'm super pumped to be joined by everyone, and I, I mean everyone's favorite baseball writer, Emily Walden. Hi, Emily. Thanks for, thanks for joining me tonight.
3: Absolutely. I'm excited to be here.
2: Yeah, so we were supposed to have actual baseball today. I'm sure you you lived through the agony as well as the rest of us um, the rain out in Chicago this is tough opening day is supposed to be like you know the rah-rah day of the year and to have to wait one more day um is a l- only a little bit better than death I would say
3: I would definitely say I'm probably the funniest part and again I wasn't able to watch the game because I was still or I should say the game that almost was <laughs> I was still at work during the pregame festivities and to my understanding the uh The opposing team got to come out on some sort of, like, classic cars, if I heard correctly. Just enough time to go out there, kind of taunt the Tigers a little bit, and then they went, yeah, okay, we're just not going to play now, now that we've got that out of the way. Yeah,
2: and Scott Podsednik was able to come out and throw out a ceremonial first pitch. So pretty much everything you would expect from the White Sox on opening day. And then
3: they went, just kidding, no baseball. Yeah,
2: yeah, No. Um, what What is your favorite part about, oh, not not this opening day, obviously, but just opening days in general? I think it's just the Christmas morning excitement
3: yes. that everybody gets going. Because especially, and I, obviously we can speak best for Tigers fans because that's really our neck of the woods. It's a chance to start fresh and it's a chance for a clean slate because you have the the running joke that there's always next year. So when next year comes around, it's like Hope Springs Eternal. You know, even the most jaded fans are suddenly like, hey, we could actually do that this year. And we're hoping to not suffer from a, uh, a Cubs epidemic where we have to wait, you know, what was it, 108 years or something like that. So it's a clean slate. And I think everybody just gets really
2: excited and um, optimistic about what the possibilities are. Yeah, that's true. I mean, even some of the, the Tigers Twitter people that you know eventually are gonna get to that point where they're not gonna be uh much much fun to be around. Uh, virtually speaking Um, they're pretty much all still kind of in that that uh, happy phase which which is nice Um, do you have a problem not a problem but uh, do you have an issue with with opening on the road or is that kind of cool because you get like you know regular opening day and then home opening day like it's it's almost bonus opening day if you will
3: Yeah, I would say so, because I know there's always like the added enthusiasm when you're in front of the home crowd. I know the players obviously prefer to be in front of the home crowd, but it really is kind of an added bonus, so to speak, because you get the thrill of the actual official opening day, but then you also have the home opening day. So I think for the home crowd, there's the same enthusiasm there. And so I think the players reap the benefit of feeling that enthusiasm from the fans when they're able to get to their home field.
2: And then, in turn, we reap that back from them, or, or something like that.
3: Something along those lines.
2: <laughs> um, so that brings us this week's leadoff question. If you had to pick one word to describe the feeling of opening day to you, what would it be?
3: Bliss. <laughs> <laughs> I would say probably bliss, and it's so funny because my first thought that I pictured when I was giving when I was thinking about that, I said it reminds me of some of the stuff from Elf where he just gets so just over the top excited. And he's like jumping up and down and just grinning from ear to ear. And I feel like that's a common feeling among all baseball fans across the board. Whether your team just absolutely bombed the year before, it's back. You know, that wonderful hashtag, baseball is back. And so for me, I think it's just absolute excitement, you know, in more words or less.
2: Yeah, that's that's a very good way of putting it. I went with liberation. Like obviously today was an exception, but it's kind of like that first bit of spring freedom. Like like I hate winter pretty much every aspect of it, but like spring to me is kind of this coming back to life, like getting out of you know some sort of winter jail. And you know, we start spring training and that's kind of like a nice appetizer, but opening day it's like okay, now we're on to the main course. Like baseball's really here. We're really going so I'm with I would, liberation. I
3: would definitely agree, too. And I think from the stance of Michigan and probably even stretching down into, like, Cleveland and Chicago, we get hit so hard during the winter with all of the storms that come through. So it really is not only a new baseball season, but I think it's also a sign that warmer weather is coming. Yeah. So that adds to the enthusiasm. It gets everybody out of their Their caves, so to speak. So I think it's a combined enjoyment from that perspective.
2: Yeah, we deserve opening day more than just about any other city out there, as far as I'm concerned. Darn straight. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can. Uh, You can reach us at podcastianos.com. By the way, if you guys, speaking to you, the listeners, not you, Emily, if you guys didn't check out last week's show, you really should. Um, We had former Tiger Guido Knudsen on, and he was excellent. He's such a good guy. It was really fun uh, talking with him. Um, so definitely check that out. Plus, it was all like season prediction stuff, so there's nothing that's like out of date already. Um, so, so definitely go back and listen to that. On the Twitter, Emily is at Emily Walden twenty eighty. I am at Jordan Hall twenty three. Eric is at Comeric Eric, and the show is at Podcastianos. Um, on the Instagram, I am at Jordinio four. Um, and once again, we'd love it if you would take the time to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or whatever other platform you're listening to the show on. And I was able to get through that perfectly without without Eric here. I'm I'm assuming he's just the one that makes me screw up every time. I'm seriously impressed. I think you got my positive vibes coming through the uh, the microphone. <laughs> Boom. That's that's all you can ask for. Exactly. <laughs> I'm Blaine Hardy and you're listening to the podcast Giannos. Um so let's run down some recent uh roster movement that led to the opening day roster that we saw. Um most noticeably, notably was the release of this show's beloved, Mike Pelfrey. Um, the Pelf train has been rerouted to a different station. I had many of you listeners tweet me sympathy tweets, which really helped me got, get through the the tough time. Um, what was your reaction to his release?
3: Oh, it, was, it was very much a torn reaction because I always heard one of my... One of my scout friends always told me, he said, baseball players are like puppies. Once you name them, then you get attached, and then if something goes wrong, you're heartbroken, and you have to say goodbye. And the thing about Palfrey is he is legitimately one of the nicest people across the board, just a very genuine guy. And I don't know about you, but reading his quotes when he received the news that he would be transitioning, It was heartbreaking because it was constantly him saying, I've let people down, I've let the fans down, I've let my team down, and I'm like, can I just hug you? Can I just give you a hug? Because you're breaking my heart right now. And for for that, I think it's just coming down to being realistic about it and seeing his numbers from spring training, seeing his numbers from last season, he couldn't stay consistent. That was that was his biggest battle. He was completely aware of what was going on. He understood the seriousness of the situation. He couldn't piece it together in time. And I think because of the tire situation right now, they they have no choice but to start trimming off some of these branches because at the end of the day that's the only move that they can make to get where they want to go and ultimately that's a championship.
2: Yeah. Like it, it was it was I was I agree with you, kind of the, the mixed emotions. Like Obviously, he, obviously, strictly baseball speaking, he deserved it. He was really, really not good. And, you know, he got lots of opportunities. So it's not like he got some sort of raw deal. I mean, he made, he made quite a few starts last year. But it yeah. still feels like there was – and I'm sure I'm that I'm the only one that thinks this because I've been the only one on this train for a long time. But it still felt like, I don't know, maybe we were missing out on a little bit of something with him. Um, but like you said, everything that you, I read in that in his quotes after he left was like, "Oh man, dude is crushed." He he understands kind of what what we were going through as fans around him. Um, and I, I do genuinely hope that somebody picks him up. And he has marginal success at least when he's facing teams other than us. Although you know, at some point this year, he's going to throw like a four hit shutout against us because that's just how baseball works.
3: That is how baseball works. You know, there there are no favorites in the game of baseball, except Mother Nature's ability to pick on Detroit, (laughs) which you'll find another way to do that this season, obviously. Yeah.
2: Were you surprised that the club ate all the money on him?
3: Yes. Again, I think it just falls kind of under that mixed emotion thing, because I think they're in a tricky position right now where they're going, if we don't make some changes – this isn't gonna get any better. Like they've, they've just gotten to this consistent reel of, you know, problem after problem after problem and everybody's aware that the system is broken. And so I think they just kind of bit the bullet and said, we have to do something here. And by doing that, we have to move in that direction and we're gonna to have to, you know, make the steps necessary to do that. So again, a little bit torn, not fully understanding that whole process, but at the end of the day, it needed to be done because nice as he was, the numbers were there. He was not benefiting the team. He knew that. The fans knew that. Al Fila knew that. And so they just ultimately had to go that direction.
2: Yeah, I went back and forth on whether this was, like, you know, reflective of a, a change on the whole, like, let's cut costs where we can stance. Um, or, or if it was just, like, you know, this is something we have to do. And I, I think that I'm pretty firmly in the camp that it was just, you know, something that, that had to happen as opposed to a, a lax in that policy because I, I still I think that they're gonna they're gonna try and save money where they can, um, but yeah, I, I you know I'm on record many times as saying that I, I'm a fan of of the Pelf train, but it just it was time.
3: Well, and I have to share actually a funny Mike Pelfrey story if we have time oh. from spring, oh, spring training. Oh, we have we have if time. That's okay with you.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> I was one of my last days. I
3: think it might have been my last day of spring training. I was walking through the player parking lot just as the big league game was starting I was making my way back to the backfield complex and wandered past a golf cart that was sitting in the parking lot and there was somebody sitting in the golf cart drinking something or other and it turned out to be Justin Rolander and he was in street clothes he wasn't scheduled to throw that day so he was just in shorts and, and flip-flops and Nodded and smiled at me, and he and uh, he and Pelfrey were in this conversation, watching some paratroopers come down as part of the pre-game festivities. Huh. And they were having a conversation, deciding, would you do that? To, be, to would you be paid to do that, or would you not be paid to do that? <laughs> and Ferlander had mentioned he would do it without being paid, and Palfrey was a little bit torn. He said, I'd, I'd have to think about that. I'm not sure if I'd just jump out of a plane for free, but. It was uh,
2: was a very deep conversation, considering the topic, but they talked about it for a while. (laughs) It'd be really funny to see Pelf jumping out of the plane. He's such a big dude. That would be...
3: He really is. He really is. Yeah, and he's walked by me before, and I'm not a small person, so to feel small is is (laughs) a task. (laughs)
2: Um, So, obviously, with with Pelf making way, um, now Matt Boyd can jump into the rotation, Um, And Anibal can go back to the bullpen. Let's start with with Boyd. Um, Coming into this year, Eric and I were sure that there was almost nothing he could do to force the Tigers into making a move um, so that he could start in the rotation. Well, it turns out he could because he has. Um, What have you seen out of him this spring?
3: I think I've just overall seen a sharper version of what the Tigers wanted. Um, I think when they pulled him in, they saw A lot of his potential, almost kind of like a Nick or Nicholas Cassianos, (laughs) if you will. Um, Kind of a situation with him where it's almost like you kind of have to grow into your abilities and grow into your potential. And at the end of the day, you have to show you can do it consistently. And so for Boyd, obviously he's got the spring training numbers under his belt now and he's gonna have to go out and show that he can repeat that during the regular season and so i think it was a good platform for him to just instill confidence in the coaching staff and um, hopefully see him carry that over once he gets into his rotation spot
2: it seems like he's been a little bit more confident this spring have you is it is this all like a difference in his attitude from last year to this year or is there like noticeable improvement with as jim price would say his arsenal
3: I would say it's more of the arsenal thing. Um, I, I don't know Boyd as well to be able to say as much about the attitude perspective, but everybody who I've spoken to who knows him has generally made him out to be a pretty upbeat guy Um, and so I think for him if I can go out on a limb and say this I think it's the fact that he is such a competitor and so it may have come down to last year him overanalyzing what he needed to change or you know thinking too hard about it or you know just that kind of an approach and so I think the results that he sees spring training that's going to build his confidence and I think make him more apt to go out and repeat that once the season really gets kicked off so i think it's probably just encouraging him and it's going to make him come out with more more aggression and more confidence overall
2: yeah um it's funny that you talked about about that like we we love him because he's ours and like he's young and he and he seems like a really hard worker and a great guy but you see him more from a, a talent talent evaluation perspective like how much potential does he actually have? You know, like if, if you were, if you didn't know anything, um, you know, the, the backstory to him, and you were just looking at his arsenal, um, you know, getting the, the projectability of him. Like, is this a, a more uh, high level prospect or somebody who maybe is more more of a grinder? Like, uh, where do you think he's at, just from a pure talent perspective, with, without the the Tigers fan glasses on, I guess.
3: Oh, for sure. I think um, I would definitely put him more on the higher end um, just because I think that he hasn't fully come into himself yet. Um, I think for some guys, it does take some time for them to find their footing. And I think in baseball overall, if you're able to show that you're making strides to get there, I mean, I could use Stephen Moya, for example, how many grace periods he's been given because people understand development doesn't happen overnight. And so I think from that perspective, the Tigers are keeping an eye on him, and they're putting him in those positions to challenge him, to stretch him. And I think that he is going to come into himself if the right pieces are going to fall into place, because I think the talent absolutely is there. He's just going to have to find a way for, to show repeatability and be able to go out and consistently prove himself on a game-by-game basis and really put confidence back in the coaching staff.
2: And putting the, the Tiger's glasses back on, all of those things that I listed ab- about him, they he's he's so easy to root for. Like I feel like him and Norris have jumped to the top of like my, these two are my Tigers. These are the guys that I'm really rooting for. I, I would definitely agree. Um, I
3: have seen just so much positive reinforcement from both of them because they're very team-oriented. I don't feel like either one of them is someone who puts himself on a platform or distances himself from the other guys, I think that they are very driven to want to see this team do well, and I think that's why they put so much pressure on themselves, because you've heard Norris, too. Norris takes failure very seriously. He'll he'll kick himself time and again if he has a rough game, and so I think for both of them, the, the team aspect is there, and they're very aware of what their role is, but they're just going to have to find a way. Still being on the young side, they're going to have to find a way to consistently
2: Were you around Norris much this spring? Has he kind of come around a little? I mean, obviously you want him to to take success very seriously, but it almost looked like he was beating himself up to, uh, you know, a bit much last year. Has he um, got that a little bit more in check coming into this year?
3: does um when i was down in florida i didn't get a chance to see too much of him but i think i think the the situation with him is that everybody forgets that he is still so young yeah i mean yeah, he just turned just turned 23 and actually he'll turn 24 this month yes i googled that, <laughs> that um, quick his, birthday, <laughs> his birthday is later at the end of this month and so if like, you look at guys like norris and fulmer who strangely have the ability to grow the absolute greatest beards on the team and are probably the youngest guys on the pitching staff. So, you know, that's that's a whole cop- topic in and of itself. But um, I think people forget how young he is. I really do, because he carries himself in a very mature way, and um, I think there has to be a grace period because not only are you establishing yourself as a pitcher, you're establishing yourself as an adult in a very intense game and having to discover your skill set and discover what can you contribute and then do it on a consistent basis so these guys are under a ton of pressure and the fact that they've handled it as well as they have is really really impressive so i think both of them are going to come out and as long as they can stay healthy health is still an issue for norris i think Mm -hmm. as long as they can stay healthy those will be a good year for both of them
2: yeah that's a really good point i never thought about it like that the difference like I mean, obviously, I don't have the weight of the world on my shoulders, you know, pitching in front of hundreds of thousands of people over the course of the season, and the difference in me from the time that I was 21, 22 till now, or, you know, a couple of years after that is just amazing, and you you just, I don't know, you get in such a mindset that these guys are just, you know, baseball robots, their their sole job is to throw strikes and hit spots and, and whatnot, um, but there are, especially guys like Norris, there's, when, with so much personality about him, like there clearly is going to be some personal development that you do have to allow for and factor in.
3: Absolutely, and I think from the position that I'm in where I have more of a focus on the minor league guys as well, I hear that on a regular basis. I mean, I've had people frustrated with Matt Manning. Why isn't Matt Manning up higher? And I said, you guys are forgetting he is still five years old in baseball years. so I mean, yeah. this kid is so young. If I remember correctly, I think he's just turned 19 and he's already projected you know as the top prospect in the organization which no pressure i mean (laughs) what were you doing at age 19 so i think people just have to remember i know baseball fans are going to speak their mind no matter what but you absolutely have to keep that in the back of your mind in the development sense that not only are they developing a skill set they're growing up and that's a huge huge piece of it, so I think we just wanted to remember that this year for
2: sure, yeah, they're still at the age where like if they can keep themselves bathed and fed like they're they're doing good at least as far as life goes. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) Um, Speaking of kids, let's talk about Joe Jimenez. You tweeted that he was going down and Tiger's Twitter was going to commence the pouting, which was the most accurate thing I read all week. Um, (laughs) Do you think that it was more of a full house situation out in the bullpen, or is there um, more refining that he needs?
3: You know, it's an interesting comparison story. I was actually reading up on um, some of the Yankee system today. And uh, Gleber Torres, who is probably the Yankees, I would say close to the top prospect that they have right now, he's exceptionally young. And there's been so many comments about why aren't they giving him a shot higher up the ladder? Why aren't they letting him have his moment? Again, the team is realizing what they've got on their hands. And I was able to talk to a couple executives of the Tigers um, when I was down in spring training. We specifically spoke about Joe. And across the board, all of them said, we know what we've got. We understand the talent that we've got here, but because of that, they're trying to be very respectful, and they're trying to use that in the best way possible by not rushing it. Um, Joe is absolutely dangerous. I mean, you can ask anybody from scouts to players to basically across the board, anybody you speak to, they all know what he's got, but I think the fact that the Tigers have been so starved for a guy who can be as powerful as he can be in that position, they want to make sure the timing is absolutely right. So I think for them it's just watching to see those last pieces fall into place, watch him get more polished, and he'll be in Detroit, no problem.
2: What what is left to, to polish within his his skill set? Um, you know, I you know, we all know about the fastball and the slider. What what are the specific things that he's working on?
3: say command would probably be the biggest one, and then just maturity overall. Um, I've had the chance to watch him pitch, I think, at every level but um, high A. I got to see him in Toledo, Erie, West Michigan, and I, yeah, I think that covers it. Um, he he gets a little bit trigger-happy, um, or as I always like to say, chomps at the bit, a little bit in the times that I've seen him, you know, kind of like that, that excited young puppy that's just <laughs> ready to run, ready to go, you know, whatever other happy go lucky visual you can think of that fits that description. <laughs> um, he, he takes this responsibility so seriously. And I've spoken to Joe quite a few times. He wants it so bad that I think what he's been having to do internally is learn how to pace himself. Because he knows how much faith the team has in him. He understands the arsenal that he has to work with. And so now the responsibility falls on him. How is he cultivating it? How is he fine-tuning it? How is he pushing himself to improve? Because there's still a touch of polish that's needed there. Um, He gets a little bit shaken sometimes, has a hard time keeping up with that command. But as he continues to mature, his pitches are just, they're disgusting. I mean, absolutely disgusting. I don't know how much you've been able to see, but it's 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 definitely a weapon that the Tigers have on their hands. And so I'm absolutely thrilled to see him get up. I I would say before the All-Star break, I'm gonna go out on a limb and I'm gonna project before the All-Star break he could see Detroit, but it's gonna come down to. How's he going to start off the year? And can he show be as powerful as
2: he was last season? Yeah, I think in, unless our bullpen in, at the big league level is just flying out of the gates, I, I can't imagine not seeing him before the All-Star break. And it will be fun. And what I'm maybe most excited about is to see uh, Tiger's Twitter reaction to him coming up. Because it's, it's just been like so longed for that I, I think it'll be really fun um, for them finally to get what they want.
3: Well, and what I would say, too, is going back to our feelings of opening day. Yeah. Take take that and magnify that times <laughs> 10, and you will have Tiger's Twitter when they receive the news that Joe's been called up.
2: So let's transition a little bit. You've had quite the spring, spent some time in Florida with the Tigers and the Blue Jays. I want to hear all about the trip, but let's start at the very top. Uh, you had a chance to meet Mr. Tiger Alkaline, can you just can you put into words a little bit for us uh, the sights and sounds? What what, what happened there?
3: I am slightly ashamed of the sound that may have come out of me when I caught <laughs> the attention of, of Alkaline. Um, no, I would say it, it started out. It was actually my last day there at the complex, and so I walked up to Joker Margin, which I really hadn't spent much time there at all because obviously my mission was to go down and kind of check out the minor league side um, and check out those prospects, but made it a point to go out there, reconnect with some people, got to check in with a few of my friends down there, and just started walking around with a good friend who works for the team, and she was showing me some different parts of the park, and she kind of looked over to me and said, if you ever met Al-K-Line, and I said... <laughs> have I ever met Al Line trying to play it cool, obviously. And I said, no, I, I haven't had the pleasure. And inside I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, trying not to freak out because this is a guy, I grew up with a, a massive baseball fan for a dad. And so he was actually born and raised in um, Arkansas. And so his team growing up was the Cardinals. That was like the closest team in vicinity that – he was able to listen to and so they listened listen to Cardinals games on the radio but they had the chance um, to still follow the other teams like the Tigers the big Yankee names the big Red Sox names and so I heard a lot of stories about Al Kaline and I was like it would just be the coolest thing just to meet him and talk to him for even a few minutes and he came around the corner and I got introduced to him and shook my hand and I want to say gosh he's 90s. I want to say he's in his early 90s now. Sharp as a tack. Um, still knows how to compliment the ladies. So I will give him that. <laughs> and uh, got to talk to him for probably about 5-10 minutes, and um, that is absolutely
2: something I will never forget. That was just an incredible experience. What did you? Uh, I mean, you don't have to go into in-depth details, but what what did you talk with him about? Like, I don't. I don't even know how I would begin to start that conversation. <laughs>
3: Well, it's, it's funny, too, because people have asked me before. They said, do you ever get starstruck around, um, like, the minor league players? Because I'm around a lot of these guys on a regular basis. And I said, from the minor league perspective, it's more of an admiration for what they're working to accomplish.
2: That makes sense. Yeah. So
3: I, I have respect for because most of them are... I won't say how old I am, but most of them are younger than me, um, <laughs> as they would be in the minor league level. Um, and so aside from Al Kalin, I had that same situation with Alan Trammell, where yeah. here's a guy that I heard stories about growing up. You know, I don't really have memories of actually seeing him play, um, but heard so many stories getting the chance to get to know him has, has been just incredible. Um, But just really, I talked to Al just about his current role with the team. You know, what what does he do? Like, what does he do to keep himself busy? He was all decked out in uniform (laughs) uh, when I shook his hand, looked sharp as ever. And um, he said that his travel days are really done. So he just kind of hangs around in in Florida, around the complex. Um, Some of the minor league guys that he'll pop in every once in a while and eat lunch with them and just interact with them. And. Makes himself very available, which I think really sets sets a very high tone for the team there. Just because they know his legacy, they know what a legend he is, and I think that he just really enjoys giving back to the younger guys and still staying a part of the game.
2: Yeah, I can't imagine. You know, as an eighteen, nineteen-year-old kid, kind of fresh, you know, fresh into camp, and then you look up and see Mr. Tiger. That would be it. Would be extremely difficult not to be starstruck starstruck in any, any walk <laughs> of life, but specifically as, as a young kid like that.
3: Absolutely, I won't forget that for sure. That was, it was just an incredible moment.
2: Um, so let's get into a little bit what your own eyes took in down south. Um, who were some of the players, either big league, big leaguers, kids, whoever that you saw that kind of opened your eyes in a good way, seeing them in person?
3: Um, I think from the big league side, and I said this a lot last year, uh, Nick Castellanos yes. is... He, he is a monster. I don't think people, I mean, he's very tall in general, but he is so dangerous, and he's finally coming into who he has always meant to be, but now all of a sudden is finding out who he is. And I think that's really what the Tigers saw when they first signed him back in high school. They looked at him and said, you know, this kid's got an incredible hit tool. He's suddenly starting to show that. And I think the fact that he had such a breakout year last year, I think it's only going to go up for him this season. So I got to see him get a few hits when I was down there. He looks tight as ever. Um, he's somebody that I would definitely be excited about. And then from from the minor league side, um, it was a little it was a little different just because some of the guys were still gone for the World Baseball Classic. That's true. So a few of them are, were out. But um, one pitcher that I'm specifically – very interested in, he actually got assigned to West Michigan, so I'm going to be able to see him a lot this year, um, is uh, Anthony Castro. Okay. Um, he is a young young kid. Um, I want to say he's early 20s. I believe he's 21, 22. Um, has a high 90s basketball. Got very, very good secondary stuff that he's been working on. Um, extremely consistent. He's got good repeatability. He's got a very cool head under pressure, and he really just looks for any way possible to be able to grow, um, and also to be able to just mature because he he loves the game so much, and I've gotten to know him pretty well too. So I think looking for him and seeing what he's going to do this season is going to be big. Um, and then a few of the guys that we did have partly in West Michigan last year, uh, Mark Acker, he actually got promoted to Lakeland, so he'll be doing some high A stuff this season. Um, And then Zach Houston, he's another hard-throwing guy. I want to say he, I don't think he touched 100 last year, but I think he came pretty close, if I remember correctly. Definitely a very, very hot fastball from him. Um, And I think for the first time in a long time, the Tigers have some really good arms coming up in their system. That's been, as you know, an area that has been sorely lacking at the lower levels. So I think pitching specifically is going to be really a fun thing to watch this year.
2: Yeah, that's, that's such a, a sight for sore eyes. I mean, we, we've had the the Rondones, the Zumayas, the Joes, but they're so you know intermittent and there's been a lot of um, maybe lesser bullpen arms that we've dealt with in, <laughs> in, in the meantime. Um, who looks like they're on a, the brink of, of maybe a breakout for their specific la- level? Did anyone hit you like that?
3: Um, you know, that's, that's a really good question. I think some of the stuff that I saw from Dominic Ficicello was actually encouraging. Um, he's somebody that has struggled with consistency at the plate. When he's able to hit consistently, he's got a very, very good bat. He's a product of um, the Arkansas Razorbacks, who unfortunately falls under the shadow of Cassianos at third, Mickey at first, and he's, he's a corner infielder. So he's one of those guys that sort of falls victim to the established guys at the major league level, and I think for him, he's really going to have to show consistency in Double A, get that shot at Triple A, and then see if he can maintain because he's got he's got very good defense. I've I've really liked what I've seen from him defensively, but he still gets a little bit hot and cold at the plate. Um, but I did see some pretty good consistency from him. It's from training, so that was encouraging. Um, you know, seeing guys like. Dixon Machado, if, if I'm allowed to pick favorites, I'm just going to come right out and say it. Dixon Machado is hands down one of my favorite people. Um, the best attitude you could ask for. I mean, smiling every second I've seen him, bouncing around the field, talking to everybody, just an incredible attitude. He is probably one of the most valuable <laughs> Un- unappreciated pieces in the Tigers system and I absolutely hope that he gets a shot this year because aside from maybe a lack of reps at the plate, I think he's really on par to be the next major league shortstop for Detroit I honestly think he is, he's so sharp, I mean I don't want to tell you that, you know that, but he's, he's somebody who I have long been a fan of and I think that he will have a very good
2: season this year yeah, I'm I'm very excited. We you know, we came into the season thinking it was going to be him or Moya. And Eric and I, you know, we don't like to root, but I think we were both rooting for him to be the guy. And right. yeah, I'm I'm very looking forward to to seeing him. Um hopefully, I mean, you don't you know, if he gets in the lineup, it means somebody is either hurt or or having a day off. And you don't really root for that. But I, you, I do want to see what he can do, um, and I wouldn't mind seeing it kind of in extended at-bats. Um, so I feel like every time we have you on, all we do is ask you, you know, how's Manning? How's Joe? You know, who? how are the top 10 guys doing? But let's get a little bit beyond that tonight. Um, you know the system better than almost anyone. Um, I want to know the guys in the system a little bit better, too. And if you wouldn't mind... Um, would you tell us some of the more like interesting stories behind the guys in the system? Like, who are some of the guys that we don't know about but should, or the guys we're not necessarily rooting for, um, but should be?
3: Yeah, that's, that's actually a very good question. I think probably some of the most fascinating stories come out of the Latin contingent that's down at the lower levels. Um, I spoke with one of the Um, development coaches who kind of work specifically with the Latin players that come up. And I think one of the biggest things that really grabs me um, is the fact that so many of these guys come to the States, leave their family behind. They're 17, maybe 18 years old, some of them. They don't know English. I mean, Joe told me, Joe Menez told me he didn't know English when he came to the States. Puerto Rico Yeah. and so to have to overcome those obstacles you know going back to the the Daniel Norris thing of these guys having to grow up mm-hmm. they're, they're having to grow up in a brand new country learn a brand new culture and still try and find success as a baseball player and so those guys absolutely get my respect and I think there's a few of them um one of the guys whose name that I consistently butcher, I call him <laughs> I call him Pinto because his last name is Pinto. It's Vladimir with a W. Oh. And I'm going to be honest, I struggle with that pronunciation. So we're just going to call him Vladimir with a W. Vladimir Pinto. He is somebody that could be the next um, person, Moreno, um, who has come up. I've gotten a chance to talk to him a few times. We've had to speak through translation because he told me he really has no good English skills yet. He's working He's working to get there. <laughs> um, but for him, he's another just incredibly, incredibly dangerous arm if the Tigers can pace him. He's already hitting high 90s, and I believe he's still 19 or 20. Ooh. And so you've got that type of a guy coming up. Um, Xavier or Javier which is a great name, I'm sure Eric would just have loads of fun with that in one of his <laughs> next top tens. Xavier Javier, he is another guy that I've been told has touched high 90s, I think 100, several times, and I believe he is still 18. Wow. So there are a lot of just dangerous arms. There's something in the water down there. I don't know <laughs> what it is, but they, they're all drinking Joel Zabaya something or other. And I think that if the Tigers can continue to work – the international market in a good, a, a good system, I think that they could really pull some very beneficial pieces in because these guys down at that, it, in those parts of the country, they eat, sleep, and drink baseball. <laughs> they live baseball. These guys do. And so I think you get to see talent at a very young age. These guys, 16, 17 years old, and they're already throwing harder than some college pitchers. You know, so it's, it's something you have to learn how to read the market and see what you're kind of tapping into. But I think overall, all that to say, um, the Latin section of the system has just been incredibly fascinating. And I think as we watch a little bit more development this year, there's going to be a lot more names to pinpoint that people should really start paying attention to.
2: I'm curious. Does does the organization do anything um, to help them settle to learn the, Eng- uh, learn the English learn English you know that kind of stuff? Is there is there a support team kind of behind them?
3: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and again, I haven't had insight into how all of the major league teams handle it, but I can say for a fact the Tigers do an exceptional job with helping get these guys acclimated to the culture over here. Um, that comes from. You know, learning the learning the language, learning the culture, little things. Learning how to speak to women, learning mm. how to speak to other other people. You know, because culturally, it's so different. It's just so different. And so making them aware, this is the this is the lifestyle you're walking into, and we want to see you succeed. We want to see you become established here. And so, I know another group too. Our hometown team, the Whitecaps, in West Michigan they have English classes that a lot of the players are expected to attend because they understand, as you're in this industry, you have to speak to the media, you have to speak to fans, you have to interact, and to do that, you have to have at least a basic understanding of how to do that through the English language. So they do a very good job of setting these guys up for success, and I think they handle it really well.
2: That's good. I, I mean... Especially, I mean, even beyond success outside of the game, within the game, um, I mean, it, you have to that would have to bond the team a little bit more to get everyone kind of literally on that same page, at least to a to a small degree.
3: I would definitely agree. Yeah.
2: Um, so last time you were on, we talked about Jack O'Laughlin, or as we refer to him, Jack O'Lantern. Um, But last week we discovered Ulrich Bojarski, who is part of the the Australian contingent. Um, I think we all need to know a little bit more about Ulrich.
3: Ulrich, aside from having the most fantastic name in all of baseball, I remember the first time I read his name speaking with one of my Australian league contacts when they were actually the first ones to kind of bring him to my attention after he signed with Detroit. And they just gave me some information and insight, and I said, okay, who who is this kid, and how does he come up with this name? (laughs) (laughs) And so I actually had the chance to speak to Ulrich, and he said that he really, his, his heritage is Australian. He was actually born in South Africa, but from my understanding, there is a, a bit of a group that tends to migrate to South Africa from Australia based on, like, employment opportunities, hmm. which I found very interesting. And so I guess there is a fairly sizable group of Australians that have gone over to the area. But he said they only lived there until he was about two and then he moved back to Australia. So he's back, um, lives in Perth. Um, so he's actually in the same town as Warwick's uh, Southwold. So they've got the uh, a little bit more Tigers connection there. So he, he's a very interesting guy. He's very built. Um, I want to say he's about 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, um, he used to be a catcher primarily, and then they transitioned him into the outfield. And so I kind of picked his brain a little bit about that, and he said he's come to really enjoy being in the outfield. Um, he's got a very solid arm. Um, I think he, he definitely could develop into something very useful at this point, and so I'm looking forward to seeing what he does this season now that he actually is in the States.
2: Where, where is he going to play this year?
3: Um, as of right now, based on the last update I received, is that he is staying back in extended spring okay. training for now, um, which makes me think that he'll probably transition up to short season um, when Connecticut League starts, so I think he'll move up in that direction eventually, but I think it's a good place for him just because of the fact that he is adjusting to the new culture as well. And so it won't make him feel too much pressure overall.
2: Him and G money on the same field. I'm going to have to get out there. <laughs> i got to go see him.
3: Definitely needs to happen. <laughs>
2: um, so one more uh, topic before we get to the power rankings, Anthony Ghost, we talked about this last week. He is switching to switching to pitching. There's a rhyme for you. Um, <laughs> is this realistic. Like, I know that you posted the video of him and the scouting report. What what does he like? You know what does he feature? Like what, what's kind of his arsenal? I've said that well, three times. I'm turning it into Jim Price. Gosh, go you ahead. know
3: what? I will I will forgive I will forgive you. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing about Anthony Ghost that a lot of people have not remembered is that he was really looked at strongly as a pitcher when he was in high school. Um, he had a fastball that touched as high as ninety seven at one point, and I believe that was around junior or senior year of high school. And so that's something a lot of people didn't know. And so when they first hear Anthony Ghost coming out of the bullpen, they're all going, okay, who's smoking what in Detroit, <laughs> and why would they even consider this? But the fact that Anthony is very hes very much an athlete in general, yes, I think he, he adjusts very well. Um, two different challenges on the field. And obviously I'm going to touch on the adventure from 2016 that we all got to watch unfold firsthand. Um, And I think the fact that he loves the game the way that he does, he understands that he does have a skill for it. He wants to stay here. He wants to stay in the game. And I think tackling the reinvention of who he is is If he can find success, that's one of the most admirable and close to impossible things you can do at the major league level. To be able to reinvent and really come out as a successful reinvention, it requires a lot of admiration for people. So for him, I am not writing him off. I am not writing him off. I don't think that it's that far of a shot um, or that far of a stretch, I'm sorry, from, from what could possibly happen. So I'm just going to sit back and see what unfolds. I think his time and extended is really going to tell the tale. Um, see if he goes up and does maybe a stent in short season out of the bullpen, and we'll really see how it unfolds. But I'm definitely, I'm definitely not saying never just yet.
2: Maybe he's just he's just doing this to be closer to Ulrich. It sounds like he has about the, the same path.
3: You know, I hear that Ulrich's a popular guy, so it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'm I'm super fascinated by this. It's like the the reverse Rick Ankeel. Um he he does have such a live arm. I mean you can tell um I I feel like there was one of the talent evaluators that I was reading that said, Never give up on an athletic pitcher and he's like the ultimate of athletic pitchers. He just needs to work into being more of that pitcher. Um he's he's still like I, I feel like he's been around forever and he's still relatively young, like There's no reason to to count him out on age. Um, You know, I I predicted earlier, uh, probably on last week's show, that he was going to get three appearances or something in Detroit. That was probably a little premature. Um, But I'm excited about this, and I don't necessarily know why, but I want to see it. Well, you know, the thing, too,
3: with um – with Anthony's I think a lot of people forget that he was signed very young and so people kind of assume he's been around forever so he's got to be old right mm-hmm. you know this is kind of the assumption that people go towards but um if you watch some of the scouting video that they have perfect game is just an excellent resource um and I also pitch my own group 2080 baseball 2080 baseball.com look us up we're awesome definitely um, it just, it really gives a good visual of how Anthony was in high school. And he, if you watch the video, he reminds me so much of Arovis Chapman. Obviously, his fastball is 103 miles an hour with just disgusting <laughs> movement on it, but not many people are. Um, but his mechanics, and he looks very, very smooth. Obviously, he hasn't pitched in a very long time, and so it's going to take some getting your feel back for that type of a role because it's not a role you can just jump back into so i think it's going to take some time but seeing seeing his mechanics from high school it's not that far of a stretch and i'm not writing him off yet
1: hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank
2: All right. Are you ready to move to the power rankings? Let's
3: make this happen.
2: <laughs> okay. So, as as all the listeners know, I am not Eric. So this is this is unknown territory, but I I and we are going to try and present the power rankings for the top seven and bottom three cities slash towns in Michigan. That's
3: you... correct. We are we are so excited, and coming from someone who grew up in the strangest areas i can definitely attest that there are some very weird towns
2: around michigan (laughs) okay um so let's start at number seven that's detroit like i know detroit has its critics like it has its faults but it's where our favorite team plays like it's one of the biggest cities if not the biggest city in the state like if you're going to experience the magic of seeing the tigers in person you're going to detroit like there's no getting around that um, and there are other aspects, too. The spirit statue, that's cool. I, I, I like that they put the jerseys on it. That's cool. Um, you know, the eastern market's cool. Like, Detroit, Detroit's not bad. Number seven.
3: I would agree. I concur. <laughs> um,
2: coming in at number six is a city where you, the listeners, live. I'm sure you live in a lovely town that's full of strengths and attractions. Um, I'm sure it's great. So, congrats on living in a, in a great town. And also, therefore, we haven't alienated any of our listeners.
3: That's very well done. I applaud you for that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, so I want you to fill me in on number five. Um, I have this down just as the, the tater tot capital of the world.
3: Oh, my gosh, yes. That is a small, small town from just outside of where I grew up um, called Coral. And it's literally, I think maybe three houses and I don't even know if they have a post office. I'm not entirely sure, but that was something that always stood out to me because having having such a lofty title on your town where it's like you sneeze and you miss the town because that's basically the extent of it, but having, it's almost like the little engine that could where they're so, so small, but they have such high aspirations.
2: (laughs) And I, If they reach out to be the tater tot capital of the world, then more power to them. That That is a lofty claim. And I I genuinely hope that someday they get there.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. There is uh, definitely a lot of potential, but they're going to have to raise their population from 16 to hopefully over at least 500.
2: Yeah, that seems like a pretty fair cutoff. (laughs) Um, Number four. Yeah. um, Yeah. On number four. Ann Arbor has a nice town or a nice downtown university of michigan's obviously there like it's one of it's one of those cities that like you just feel smarter being there you know what i mean i would definitely agree and i've i've had the chance to go to their campus obviously for for football games go blue
3: big michigan fan good um they have an incredible campus it's just it's gorgeous and they have one of my favorite pieces of the campus is their. The, the library where they just have for reading. So it's like it's not the actual library. It's like the reading room Ooh. of the library. And I posted and I actually put a picture back up to show everybody what it looks like. But it is straight out of Harry Potter. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. It's like this incredibly just epic hall with like cathedrals and it just stretches on and on and on. So I will throw that up on Twitter and let everybody see that. But it's an exceptional campus and I absolutely love Ann Arbor.
2: Yeah, yeah, Annumber is cool. Um, number three, I, I combine them because they're kind of related and they're fairly similar, and that's Charlevoix and Petoskey. Um If you've never been, they're uh, kind of charming small towns on lake michigan like north north of traverse city which we may get to later um but they've done a great job with like the public waterfront development there's like parks and stuff on the water i feel like in a lot of towns all the water is taken up by houses and hotels and stuff but like in those two two small towns there's lots of access and stuff on lake michigan um like if you're you're looking to, to spend a saturday somewhere cool that you haven't been before like hit a beach in a downtown Charlevoix and petoskey are are your places
3: I would definitely agree, and I think that there's quite a few celebrities that live in Petoskey. Doesn't Tim Allen and like Kid Rock have a house in Petoskey?
2: Possibly. I, I if if that is the case, then I probably should have ranked them even higher. Any anywhere Kid <laughs> Rock is going, you know, you know it's lit there.
3: I would agree. I would definitely agree.
2: Okay, so number two, and obviously you can speak to this much better than I can. Um, but Grand Rapids has absolutely everything. Like, to me, and, and I don't I don't live there. I've I've been there many times for many different reasons. But it's like big enough to be like substantial, but not so big that it feels inaccessible. You know what I mean? Absolutely agree. I will
3: praise the improvements in Grand Rapids all day long because not only are we Beer City USA, <laughs> I think a couple years running now. I think that we've we've had it more than one time. But just some incredible breweries. Um, the uh, the city just does so much to kind of revive the nightlife and really just help to to bring more people in through like the art prize competition, through a lot of the downtown concerts that they have. It's an incredible city, incredible city. So yes, come, we will welcome you with open arms, <laughs> and you can watch baseball. So yeah, seriously. And, and, and you got the white passport.
2: caps. Yeah, we definitely. We got
3: the white caps, so come out, we'll have fun.
2: And you have Chick Fil A's.
3: We have two Chick-fil-As now and they happen to both be in driving distance of my house. Oh my
2: so. gosh, that's just selfish. You have have all of the <laughs> all the Chick-fil-As for all the all the state wrapped up in one city. And I even kind of like um you know, it the skyline isn't real big, but it's a nice little like inviting skyline, you know what I mean? I would
3: definitely agree and it's it's interesting an interesting fact too, the minor league players that I've spoken to in the tiger system. Across the board, selected Grand Rapids as their favorite minor league town that they played in.
2: Yeah, I think Guido so did last week. Yeah, he said that he Guido liked. Did. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Jeff Farrell was another one. Um, Buck Farmer loved Grand Rapids. So many of these guys will say Grand Rapids, across the board, it's a great city. Everybody loves it.
2: So, um, oh, it's customary for me to offer you a guess as to number one.
3: Oh, goodness. Um, do I get a clue?
2: Um, I mentioned it earlier. <laughs>
3: uh, Traverse City?
2: It is Traverse City. This was the easiest one on the list. <laughs> you might say that I'm a little biased because that's literally where I live. Um, But it's probably the most naturally beautiful place on Earth. You have the bays. You have the Sleeping Bear Dunes. Now, when I say Traverse City, I encompass, like, all of the top, you know, what, the Leelanau Peninsula, um, all of the the neighboring areas. Like, let's be honest, it's all Traverse City. But you got the dunes, you got more beaches than you can count, the Manitou Islands, and then there's a bunch of the little like extension towns, like Frankfurt and Glen Arbor, that are like really, really cool. You know, you got all the food, the wine, the breweries, the coffee. Like, I don't know. I'm I'm biased, but Traverse City is like the place in in my mind. Have you ever, have you been up to TC? I
3: have been up to Traverse City just a lot of really good places for like a getaway location so it's not like your typical overwhelming touristy spot it is touristy obviously because it's developed such a good getaway location but it's never been overwhelming it's always just very beautiful like right by the water um i've loved it every time i've been up there and they have incredible pie Oh, really, yeah. really good pie at it the pie company that's up there?
2: Yeah, the, the cherry pies. That's what yes. we do. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Just a, a tip for everyone. Don't come in July. That's when everyone else comes. Come in like June or August or September or October. Don't come past October because that's when it goes downhill. But Wise
3: words. <laughs> yeah.
2: But yeah, definitely definitely come up and visit us and shout out your boy. Okay. Are you ready to move to the bottom three?
3: Ready. Let's okay. do
2: this. This one was hard because I don't want, you know, it's all Michigan. Like, you know, I don't want to disparage any of Michigan, but there are a few towns that I wasn't, that I'm not quite as much of a, a fan of. So, uh, here we go. And don't take this the wrong way. If you live in any of these, except for number one, you can take it the wrong way. Um, number three, Alma and Alpena. No offense. If you live in either of those towns, but your city stinks like, like literally. And almost always like, between my house and Whitney's parents' house, we go through Alma uh, on the way down. And, like, you can tell where we're at based on the smell when you get to Alma. It's not pleasant.
3: That's bad. That's bad. Yeah,
2: I do Yeah, I'm sure it's some sort of, like, fertilizer or something. I'm not, I'm not really in, into the farming scene. But, yeah, it stinks. And Alpina, it also stinks. <laughs> <laughs> um, number two is Cadillac. This this may be northern Michigan centric. Like Cadillac wants to be T C so bad. They even have their own little lake. But it just isn't. I don't know. It's kind of like Traverse City's nearest rival. I don't know. Cad- Cadillac is kinda of, kinda of the poo. And not in a good way. <laughs> and number one, I think it's I think Eric lets me guess on number one too. Do you have a guess as to the worst city in, in the state?
3: I really don't because sadly I can think of probably more than one selection for just a really bad City. So, no, lay it on me. What you
2: got? Number one is Charlotte. Because Mm. stop being pretentious. Your name is, I think this is when Eric starts pounding his fist. Your name is Charlotte. Just be Charlotte. Nobody wants to be
0: Charlotte.
2: (laughs) That's Power Rankings.
0: Hello, this is Eric's mom. And you're listening to the Podcastianos. That is is Power Rankings.
3: And I was going to say, too, I had a very obscure name for a town, if I can sort of tie one into the end. Oh, absolutely. By all means. There, there is a town called Jugville oh. in Michigan, and I found that to be very interesting because there was, because I'm a nerd, I was looking up, <laughs> you know, lists of, of random towns, and they had a couple different ones, which makes Michigan as special as it is. Um, you have Hell, Michigan.
2: Of course. My my out. grandparents actually used to live in Hell. It was all kinds really? of jokes about that. Yeah, I, I would just hate living there because I feel like all day long, as soon as you tell someone where you live, it's just constant jokes. Constant. <laughs> yeah.
3: Constant. But there's also Paradise, Michigan.
2: That makes sense. Evens out.
3: Yep. And then you've got uh, Christmas, Michigan. <laughs> Which is probably just a joyous place all year round. Either that or people are exceedingly angry. Yeah. They're just so sick of everything about Christmas. So they're all just very grouchy. It's
2: for sure one or the other. I, I, I bet there's no middle ground there.
3: I would say so. And then a personal favorite of mine is Bad Axe. <laughs> I always thought that one was quite quite interesting.
2: Yeah, you have to be hardcore to be from there.
3: I would say so. Yeah, somewhere between hell and bad acts. <laughs> those are the types of friends that you want to hang out with. <laughs>
2: At least go into dark alleys with.
3: Exactly.
2: Okay, so nothing on the side of the road this week. Um, maybe next week. We'll see. Okay, so we have a couple quick Twitter questions. I realized that I asked for them last week and then completely forgot to get to them. So that's my fault. Um but this week we have a few, uh, a few others. A couple of them we've, we've already hit on, so I'll try and skip through those real quick. Um, let's see. Do the ti- uh, this one's from N- uh, Jeff W. Do the Tigers' Orange Away BP threads make it more or less likely for us to get Jack O'Loughlin to embrace the Jack O'Lantern name?
3: You know, I would say that Jack is probably one of the most low-key people I've ever talked to so I don't see him really caring that much about the jack-o'-lantern name. He would probably go, you know what, sure, it's got a nice ring to it, let's go with that. So I don't think he's going to be too swayed based on the uh, the apparel that's offered.
2: <laughs> he seems like he's going to be a, a fan favorite of this show for for a very long time.
3: And he, and the nice thing about it is that he is, he's raised so exceptionally well um his parents have done such a good job and he's just the nicest person to speak to typical 17 year old you know just living his life and just loves baseball but he's really a very 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 nice guy
2: we should try and get him on the show let's let's do that all all four of us
3: happen i think that should happen i think we could probably arrange that honestly
2: that'd be cool that would be that would be fun um anthony troya asks us would you like to join my dixon machado fan club yes
3: well <laughs> i already lead the official dixon machado fan club so i would like to challenge have you been twitter verified for your fan club because i think it's a little shady to be honest
2: yeah, rival fan clubs you got to get got to get on that anthony um yeah. cam gerard asks us ever gone to a rain delay game how long did you stick it out that's an interesting question.
3: Yeah, for, for me, I think probably the longest frame delay I was at was at a Whitecaps game. And I want to say it was one of their postseason games that I went to. And I think I stayed for probably an hour and a half to two hours, and they ended up playing. Oh, nice rain and it rained and they played a Tigers game out on the center field scoreboard and we just hung out and ate ballpark food and got really really sick and then we watched
2: baseball that does sound like fun I went to a Tigers game I think it was against the Rangers um back in the Neftali Feliz as their closer era so that kind of gives you a time frame um probably about an hour rain delay and end up we ended up um like everyone kind of Congregated under the, the the bleacher, like under the the lower bowl. So when mm-hmm. game started, like everyone was in the within like the first five rows of the field. So it was very like, you know, us and our five hundred closest friends got to watch the the last inning or two. Yes. <laughs> okay, we got a couple um, player specific questions. Uh, Gary Baker asked us, maybe not a hot button player, but what's the future holding for Cam Gibson?
3: The thing about. That I'll start with what I like about Cam is that he plays with the same aggression as his dad mm. I think that that was something that probably grabbed the attention when he was at Michigan State because he's extremely aggressive he, will, he doesn't stop to think he just goes <laughs> he just goes for it and I think that that obviously to a certain degree that's attractive in a guy you don't want to see a guy who analyzes things to death and then you know dead horse, so to speak. That's something that I think works in his favor. Um, from my perspective with Cam, I feel like he's a bit too mental of a player. I think that he can have something go wrong, and I think that it will eat away at him, and I think that it makes it very hard for him to calm himself down because he's, he's a high-intensity guy on the field. Um, I saw him break a bat once over his knee. He went straight up Bo Jackson and broke a bat. And I think yes, you want to see that passion in a player. But at this level, um, the fact that he is still at the low-A level and he's going to have to really, I think, fine-tune that. i learn to channel that a little bit differently and I think he's still got some fine-tuning to do overall just because there's some pieces missing and he's going to have to find his stride.
2: He's, he's just one of those ones that you, you definitely root for, for all of those reasons. The You don't see people as, as fiery as him. Um, oh, he is,
3: he is absolutely his father's son, no <laughs> doubt about
2: that. Um, last one is from Brett Yoder. Uh, what do you expect out of Bo Burroughs this year, and what is his ceiling in the future? I haven't heard much uh, about him in a while.
3: Yeah, the thing about Bo, he, he came in... With so much hype behind him when he first signed, because obviously he was the first round pick um, in 2015, I believe. And obviously came up young, had kind of a similar start to Matt Manning, where, you know, the teenage hot prospect. Um, he struggled um, with his command a little bit first year. Um, I remember his first full year, I should say. He did a bit in the Gulf Coast League, came up to West Michigan in 2016 had a very hard time repeating what he wanted to do. Um, he got shaken up uh, quite a few times. Just it, He he really struggled to kind of find his footing, and I think if he's able to really tweak that approach to it. I think this year he could find a much better stride. Um, I think he could find more consistency, and I think it might just come down to pacing himself a little bit better, maybe not working so fast, um, you know, just slowing up a little bit bit, timing himself differently, and just really finding his stride, because he is still very young. I think he might still be 20, hmm. I believe, um, and I did that, Google that, I probably should have, <laughs> <laughs> um, but he's somebody who definitely still has production, no doubt, I mean, I think that he he could continue to move up. I personally, at this point, um, I can see him possibly getting out to uh, Erie, I okay. think that that's a level that um, would really offer him a big challenge. And so I think this year is going to be the talent year to see how he does in Lakeland. He did get promoted to Lakeland, and I think seeing how he handles the Florida State League is going to tell a lot about what his future holds.
2: Yeah, he's one that I'm definitely uh, interested to see his progress. Okay, let's move on. Uh, we'll just quickly run down the mat- the pitching matchups this week because if the rain ever stops, there will be Tigers baseball this week. Um, starting tomorrow, just Tuesday, uh, two ten Eastern, Verlander against Jose Quintana. We were supposed to see today. That one, that one should be good. the The White Sox rotation goes down qu- downhill quick after Quintana, but uh, that one should be pretty good. Wednesday, Zimmerman against James Shields, and then Thursday, Derek uh, <laughs> Daniel Norris against Derek Holland. Friday, uh, we home home opener. Michael Fulmer gets the, gets the ball against Steven Wright from the Red Sox. Um, and then Saturday and Sunday, it's going to be Boyd and then Verlander against possibly Porcello and Drew Pomeranz, though they are technically uh, to be announced as of right now. Is there a particular pitching matchup that you're you're interested in this week?
3: Um, I would say probably the Verlander Quintana um, matchup would probably be the most exciting for me because I think I think with the White Sox, they are in the process of getting some really big arms mm-hmm. back in their rotation. Um, getting, like, Michael Kopech from uh, from the Red Sox, I think is going to be a huge, huge piece for them, um, having him come over because he's a guy who routinely hits triple digits, um, and he's really grown a lot, too. So I think having him come up through through the ranks is, is going to be impressive. But I think, yeah, right now I think they're just trying to pull – Pull in some better arms, and I think that uh, seeing them go against Verlander should be a pretty fun time.
2: Yeah, and I'm excited to see Porcello back. Um, you know, we we traded him. It's not like he left of his own volition, so I feel like we still have uh, we have can have friendly relations with him. Um, even though, as Kate would say, he he stole Verlander's award last year. So.
3: Kate, Kate also said a lot of other things. She she, she sure did. She can
2: yep. she can be a bit on the chatty side. A
3: little bit, yes, indeed. <laughs>
2: um, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can uh, you can reach us at podcastianos.com. On the Twitter, Emily is at Emily Walden twenty eighty. I'm Jordan. I'm at Jordan Hall twenty three. Eric is not is the voice you didn't hear tonight, but normally do at Comeric Eric. And the show is at Podcastianos. Um, on the Instagram, I am at Jordinio four. Uh, you're on Instagram. Do you want to share that, or are you good? I
3: am on Instagram. Steve Walden number one.
2: Number one. Um, Not
3: number one spelled out, just the number, singular <laughs> one.
2: <laughs> um, and we'd love it if you, you would take the time to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or whatever else you're listening to the show on. Um, anything else that we should talk about before we get out for the week?
3: You know, I think that uh, we've got some fun stuff to look forward to this season, both from the Major League and the Minor League side. So I will be out at the Whitecaps home opener this week on Thursday, and then I will be in Lansing for the Blue Jays home opener on Saturday. So we'll get to see um, some of the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. buzz start to take place. And he's another one who just turned 18. So he's somebody who's expected to make quite a splash this year. He's a third baseman. So I'm excited to see him when I get out to Lansing on Saturday.
2: Speaking of Lansing, I, I've read that they have a waffle cone that's filled with mashed potatoes and, like, popcorn chicken and, uh, like, gravy. Have you ever had that? And if so, was it life-changing?
3: I have not. I didn't did not know that they had that. Is that a recent addition to their menu?
2: I don't remember when it was. I just saw it on, like, Bleacher Report or something, and I'm like, I must have that at some point.
3: You know, now that you say it, I may have to order one when
2: I get there, just to be able to report
3: back to the listeners. Yeah, if you
2: do, definitely, definitely take a picture of that. I'd like to see, like, I mean, they, you know, on the website, they're gonna put the, you know, best-looking picture, but I'd like to see what it looks like in reality.
3: But to counter that statement... The Whitecaps also tried to pitch the idea of fried bubblegum, so you can't always agree with what's listed on the Internet.
2: Yeah, that's that's a, an interesting idea. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> well, we should probably wrap up for this week. Emily, thank you so much for coming on the show. Always illuminating stuff. We'll have you back very, very soon um, once, the, once the season gets rolling.
3: Yes, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it.
2: And with that being said, we will catch you guys next week and eat them up, tigers, eat them up. Then this is where Eric says goodbye.